there are so many benefits to doing intermittent fasting, but there's also the dark side, which I want to talk about too. The benefits are weight loss, cognitive improvements, focus, attention, memory, or heart issue, or whatever. You're going to find those will probably be a lot better. But here's the thing you need to know about intermittent fasting, okay? You're avoiding food for a period of time. And most of the things I'm going to talk about are not related necessarily to a 16 or 17 or 18 hour fast. I'm talking about when you do prolonged fasting, let's say you're doing it for 48 hours, 72, or even longer. This information applies more to that situation. All right, so here's the thing. The purpose of food is to not just get fuel for your body. It's to get nutrients from the food. So if you are not eating because you're fasting, okay, you're restricting nutrients. And if your diet is not providing all the nutrients, okay, you can end up with not just deficiencies, but what's called subclinical nutrition deficiencies, and that can set you up for a lot of problems. So virtually all the things I'm going to talk about are related to that one point. So let's first talk about the first one. It's called refeeding syndrome. So let's say you do this, uh, I don't know, three or four or five day fast, okay? And then you eat this huge meal. Not a good idea, especially if you eat a carbohydrate meal and you have some type of pre-existing nutritional deficiency because this could be dangerous and you can have a lot of problems. It's always good and safe when you come off a fast to just have a little bit of food, wait for a couple hours, eat a little bit more. And I wouldn't do carbohydrates. I would do a little protein, maybe an egg or a little bit of salad, wait a little bit, maybe have some nuts, an avocado, things like that. But don't do what I did. I mean, I was just like, because I didn't eat for a long period of time, I overcompensated. I just ate a ton of food and I felt really good for about a minute. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't feel too good. I feel really sick. My body from not eating just wasn't used to that much food. So break your fast with a smaller meal and gradually come out of it. I will put a link down below for more details on that thing. But this refeeding syndrome problem usually occurs if, you know, maybe you have a problem with anorexia or you're a chronic alcoholic or you have some type of malabsorption issue where you don't get enough nutrition because you have um, inflammatory issues in your gut or you're elderly or you have advanced diabetes or even you're on certain medications like antacids or diuretics that deplete you of certain nutrients, or you just basically have a low vitamin B1 deficiency. So that's when you start having problems with the refeeding syndrome, because we have this shift of fluid and electrolytes from inside the cell to the blood. All right, so that's number one. Number two, dirty keto, which is basically you're doing low carb, but you're not looking at the quality of the food. You're not looking at nutrients. And like I said before, it's always this nutritional deficiency problem, because when you eat junk food, even if it's low-carb junk food, the quality's not there, the nutrition's not there, it can set you up for more problems because you're not eating and you're restricting these uh, nutrients even more. Like, for example, zinc. Um, your body has enough stored zinc to last like four days. Well, let's say you don't get enough zinc from the diet, which a lot of people don't, and then here you are going into this fasting situation, and then you just magnified that deficiency. And a zinc deficiency can show up as a weakness within your immune system it can affect your taste, it can affect your vision, it can affect your skin, it can affect your stomach, like gastritis, things like that. All right, number three, not taking nutrients while you're fasting. I always recommend taking at least, at a bare minimum, electrolytes, trace minerals, 
and B vitamins. But the point is, if you don't take these electrolytes, and I'm also talking about sea salt, and you're fasting, especially two, three, or four, or five days, you might have issues like feeling faint, dizzy, heard about people just passed out. And also, when you're either on the ketogenic diet or you do intermittent fasting, you're running on ketones. Running on ketones increases the demand for certain nutrients like uh, vitamin B1 and other B vitamins and even potassium, which means you can also end up with something like keto fatigue or a keto rash or just weakness in general. All right, number four, kidney stones. Kidney stones can occur for several reasons. The most common one is uric acid stones. And let's say, for example, you're doing in the ketogenic diet, you're doing intermittent fasting. Typically, people eat a lot of almonds, right? And they might do some non-sugar chocolate, or they also might do spinach. All three of those are very high in oxalates. And if you're predisposed to kidney stones, that could make it worse. I would definitely avoid those foods if you have a tendency to get kidney stones. And I would also take lemon juice in your water and drink enough water, like two and a half liters of fluid a day. And that alone should prevent kidney stones. Now, the other type of kidney stones is uric acid stones. It is true when you do long fast, your uric acid goes up, okay? And then it comes down and stabilizes. That's not a pathogenic problem because uric acid is probably one of the most potent antioxidants in your blood. And so it doesn't mean that you're gonna have gout or some type of uh, arthritis, no. It just means when you do a fast, you may have um, certain chemistry changes occurring. And one really good thing for uric acid, just to kind of counter it, when you eventually eat, make sure you have big salads, which I always recommend, to kind of flush out any type of uh, uric acid that might be concentrating. Now, this may become a problem if with a person doing uh, carnivore, but I have not really seen that being a problem. Somehow the body compensates and they don't seem to have uh, more problems with gout. They have less problems with gout, even though they're doing a lot of animal protein, which is interesting. Number five, if you're anorexic, you're going to have nutritional deficiencies. So when you do intermittent fasting, it's going to create more of a problem. So I don't recommend intermittent fasting if you're bulimic or anorexic. Um, but I do recommend the ketogenic diet for sure, but not prolonged fasting. Number six, athletes that have not adapted to fat yet. Okay, so in this process of getting on keto, you start adapting to keto, which within like three days, but then it actually takes one to three months to fully adapt to your fat metabolism, right? So to be fat adapted, it takes a lot longer than what you might think. So in the process, and you're working out, you may not have adapted to fat. So when you exercise, you might kind of have energy and then kind of come down. Um, but I will say over time, uh, there are athletes that have adapted to this fat over a period of months. And man, they can burn fat three times better than anyone else. They can just go, go, go. So the point is that you have to give it more time. And in the process of this adaptation, you might want to adjust your workouts and training maybe right after you eat until you can fully fat adapt. Just as a side note too, uh, if you're an athlete and you're exercising and you don't have enough sea salt, your muscles will be weak, okay? Also, uh, potassium is very, very important as well. Number seven, if you're a child, okay, not the best idea to do any type of prolonged fasting. Now, let's say you're a 
a teenager, overweight, like let's say you're obese, well, maybe you would just do like two meals, but I would definitely start cutting out the snacking. I don't agree with this snacking all day long. But the point is, if you have three solid meals with a child and they're nutrient dense, I mean, that's what you want to do. Why? Because what we're trying to do is prevent nutritional deficiencies. And it is more difficult to get nutrients from food nowadays. I mean, even going to the grocery store, most of the lettuces that you eat are hydroponic. And I do have a problem with that because they only put 15 minerals in there and they're kind of bland, they're tasteless. I really don't think they have the same nutrients as salad that's grown on soil. All right, number eight, nutrition is most important when you're pregnant and when you're lactating because you're eating for two and you're providing milk and your body's becoming depleted. Just a deficiency of vitamin D can set your child up for all sorts of dental malformations, which then causes the need for braces down the road, or they might have an overbite or an underbite, or they might have flat feet or bowed legs. All of these things can be easily solved if that mother has enough of the right nutrients. Also realize that most of the prenatals out there are all synthetic. Get a whole food natural prenatal, and especially take it when you're breastfeeding as well. And one more point about infant formulas and baby food. Unfortunately, it's like ultra processed food. If you look at the ingredients, it doesn't even resemble real food, unfortunately. So um, there are some alternatives. I will put a link down below of what I recommend for um, for children, like baby food, that's actually much better. Number nine, if you have a loss of muscle, let's say, for example, you're older and you're starting to develop muscle loss and you're doing intermittent fasting, I recommend adding one additional nutrient, a blend of amino acids. That can actually give you this raw material without creating a problem of it turning into sugar, but it can actually supply the muscles to prevent a loss of muscle. And if you're taking the other nutrients like the B vitamins and electrolytes, you allow these amino acids to be formed as muscle because all the biochemistry, all the requirements for uh, the enzymes, mostly they're just protein. And this goes beyond the protein that's needed for muscle, ligament, tendon, fascia, connective tissue. All of those protein molecules need cofactors and coenzymes. And those are the vitamins and minerals. So we come full circle to these nutrients, right? So I'm trying to really emphasize that one point. And then number 10, ketoacidosis. If you look up the dangers of fasting, if you look up the dangers of um, keto, you will see this word keeps coming up. This is a situation where you have too much ketones going in your body. And too many ketones are producing an acidity in your blood, which can be very, very dangerous, okay? But there's so much confusion, I wanna just clarify this right now. You have physiological ketosis, okay? And you also have ketoacidosis. They're not the same at all. The point is that ketoacidosis is very rare. Unless you have the following conditions, uncontrolled diabetes, where you have type one diabetes, sometimes type two, you're taking insulin and you forgot to take your insulin. In type one, you have the cells of the pancreas that have just basically stopped producing insulin. Okay, so what's gonna happen to your blood sugars? They're gonna go very, very high because you have no insulin to monitor that or, or regulate that. But insulin also controls ketones. 
And so insulin suppresses ketones. And if you have no more insulin, you have this massive flush or generation of ketones. So your body starts burning fat like crazy, and you have very high levels above 10 or 11 or 12 levels of ketones. Now, typically when you do the physiological ketones, which you're, this is a natural process, you restrict carbohydrates, and usually you're going to go between 0.5 to 3. I haven't seen many people go over 5 or even 6. And to do that, you have to do prolonged fasting and exercise. But the great majority of people are going to be 3. I mean, this is a very far range from 10, okay? So uncontrolled diabetes. If you're a chronic alcoholic, okay, you could have the same problem. If you're on certain medications, like high levels of aspirin can create this situation. Even certain drugs like cocaine, for example, you can go into this ketoacidosis when you uh, abuse uh, cocaine. Or there's other conditions like chronic liver disease, right? Where the liver um, is very, very damaged. And on top of that, you're a diabetic. That can create a problem as well. Or even if you're um, pregnant, malnutrition. So as you can see, there are conditions that can make you more vulnerable to this ketoacidosis, but it's very, very rare. The physiologic ketosis okay, is not pathogenic. It's extremely healthy and there's huge benefits. If anyone says that ketosis is, is toxic, just ask them about what about glucotoxicity, right? That's high carbs, that's high sugar. What is that? That's like all the bad effects from diabetes because you have massively high sugar. What about the dangers of that? And also think about this one last point. Ketoacidosis usually originates because you're eating too many carbs. You're not doing low carb, you're eating high carbs, destroys the pancreas, and then you get ketoacidosis.